is the Primal Podcast. At Primal, hunting is more than just a hobby. It's a way of life. And whether you're an expert or just getting started, Primal can help make you a better hunter. Now, here's your host, Mike Avery. Welcome once again to another edition of the Primal Podcast, a presentation of the folks from Primal Outdoors, a company that's really, you know, I I think I say this every month, but it's what comes to mind, a relatively new company in the outdoor world, but a company that is really making a name for himself, a name for itself, but that only makes sense. You know, the main guy behind Primal Outdoors is a guy who's been in the outdoor industry for a long, long time. His name is Bob Ransom. When I first started talking with Bob about the, the concept of doing a Primal podcast, and we were kicking around some names of, you know, who would be good future guests on the podcast, he brought up this guy named Charlie Wiltsey. I'm like, Charlie Wiltsey, Charlie Wiltsey. I know the Wiltsey name, but I don't know Charlie Wiltsey. He said, trust me, he's a guy who would be perfect to be on the podcast. Well, I've had Charlie on the podcast a few times, and he is perfect, and then I had the chance to meet Charlie in person on a bear hunt in White River, Ontario, Canada, and it was a great experience, and it seemed like the perfect opportunity to get Charlie back on the podcast, and guess what? Here he is. Charlie, welcome back to the podcast. How are you? I'm doing great, Mike. Always a pleasure to to get a chance to talk to you. Well, you are such an interesting guy. Your wealth of, you know, just a wealth of information and knowledge about hunting, deer hunting and turkey hunting and elk hunting, I think we've talked. Now we're talking bear hunting. And how cool is that? Oh, it's fantastic. I uh, haven't got a chance to do a lot of bear hunting, but after what we just went through three weeks ago, I'm totally hooked again. I love it. I can't wait to get back doing it. I am so hooked on bear hunting. It is absolutely my favorite type of hunting. And I don't know what it is, Charlie, whether it's, you know, here in Michigan where we live, I can see turkeys every day. I can see deer every day. But I don't routinely see bears. So I think maybe it's just the thrill of seeing a bear up close and personal. Maybe that's why I love it so much. What about you? Yeah, I agree with you. You know, living in West Branch area, we do have some bears, but not a lot. So if you see a bear, it's like almost winning the lottery. Um, but just to be up in the Canadian bush where we were there, I mean, bear hunting anywhere, of course, would be fantastic. But you're back there in the bush, Mike, and, you know, you're waiting, you're waiting. It's getting to be 10 o'clock at night, and you're still on stand. And then all of a sudden, this beautiful bear comes out of, out of the bush. I mean, it really is something fantastic. You mentioned 10 o'clock. I, I, mentally, I had kind of forgotten about that. On a spring hunt that far north, we had shooting light at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, yeah, we sure did. I mean, I, uh, I was fortunate enough to harvest my animal. It was uh, about 9.51 when I released the arrow. <laughs> 9.51. And, and, of course, we were up there with a good friend of mine, Ron St. Louis of Northern Wilderness Bear Outfitters, northernwildernessbearoutfitters.com. Charlie, I've hunted with, uh, I've hunted with uh, the folks from White River, I'm thinking, almost 15 years now. I go up there every year, year after year, so I must love it. This was your first experience there. What did you think? Well, I know when we had talked about it, you know, you told me about the type of people they were, and I'll tell you what, Mike, it it was just such a great experience. I was fortunate enough to have my Uncle Dave, Uncle Willie with me, and uh, from the first time we met Ron to his boys to the time we left, just absolutely great people. The people you want to be around, the people you want to be doing some type of new hunt adventures with, 
they're the best. I mean, I have nothing but great things to say about them, and I'm looking forward to hunting with them again. I had heard horror stories in the past about, well, you go into Canada, maybe not Ontario so much, but you go into Canada, sometimes the people are a little bit cold, maybe they're not real friendly. Boy, you don't see that there in White River, Ontario, do you? No, you sure don't. I mean, right from Rick and the boys to everyone there, um, they've got a fantastic outfit, but the people are there are just good people. Everybody's willing, very helpful. Um, it's just a great operation in a beautiful area of Ontario. Yeah, let's talk about that for a minute. Um, it, it, it is a beautiful part of Ontario. The thing I like, one of the things I like about this hunt, Charlie, is, you know, you've got the amenities of town. You can stay in town. You can stay in your camper. You can stay in a motel like I do. Uh, you can get in your truck and, and, and drive out to your bait. You know, it might be five miles from town. It might be 30 miles from town. But when you get out there, it is secluded, it is remote, and it is beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah, I... Uh I thought it was great. We pulled our camper up there, so we were just outside of town, you know, staying right at the, the headquarters of, of Ron's and the skinning shack and everything, and that was a great experience, being able to be right there. But like you said, I mean, you could stay in town, stay in a hotel, um, and then, you know, you get in your truck. Uh, my my first night, which I was fortunate enough to uh, fill, fill my tag, I think I was about a 50-minute drive, you know, and they're they're good roads, but you're getting way back in the bush, and it's uh, it was awesome. And, and you might see moose. I think I saw seven different moose on this trip. Uh, it's just it's just beautiful country with great people. Yes, absolutely. We did we got to see a moose too. Um, and again, yes. Absolutely beautiful country with just amazing people. This is the Primal Podcast. Their website is primaloutdoors.com. That's primaloutdoors.com. We're talking with Charlie Wiltsey. If you want to learn more about Charlie, now you can see a lot about Charlie. You can see him often on the social media feeds of Primal. But if you want to go to Charlie's uh, page directly, you can find him as Charles Wiltsey on Facebook. That's Charles Wiltsey on Facebook. So, Charlie, how did this hunt compare to your previous bear hunts? Well, uh, this will be the third time that I've been on, on, in Ontario hunting, um, and this, hands down, was above and beyond my first two experiences. Uh, we were hunting just outside of Wawa, and uh, it just really felt like, you know, we weren't getting a lot of attention, and, uh, you know, hunting hard for five days straight on each of those hunts, um, not seeing any bears, cameras had bears on at night, a couple of them, but this, I mean... Like I said, the first night on stand, you know, was the night I filled my tag. So I uh, had a lot better experience on this one than the former two. What was your setup? Remind me, uh, remind me, were you in a tree stand or a ground blind? I was in a ladder stand. Yep, so I was in a ladder stand uh, probably about 80 to 100 yards um, off the road. Uh, ladder stand was about 15, 17 feet in the air. And then my uh, bait setup uh, was right around 20 yards. Stand. And to, to set the scene for people who don't realize, uh, a lot of bear hunting is done over bait, especially in Canada there. You can't run dogs, uh, so uh, hunting over bait is the way to go. Charlie, I have heard in the past people say, well, that's not fair. That's not a, that's not a sporting way to attract an animal. But, boy, I, I don't know any other way you would hunt them there. Can you, can you imagine no. something else? No, there's there's no other way, and then those bears need to be managed. I mean, could you imagine the population right now, Mike, if those weren't managed by us hunters? I mean, it'd be out of control. Um, it's a very uh, sport way. I mean, look at all the other types of hunting we use 
um, food sources. We use water sources to attract animals. So there's there's no difference here. It's a great way to harvest a black bear in the heavy uh, bush of, you know, Ontario. I have been up there in the past. We didn't see it this year, but in past years where the berry crop was down, and this was for an August hunt, the berry crop was down, and the bears were wandering looking for food. And it was common. It was routine daily to have bears wander through town. So, yeah, the population up there does need to be managed. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's so many bears right now, and if they weren't managed, it would be just, it'd be horrible. I mean, I wouldn't want to even imagine what possibly could start happening when, you know, kids are out in their yards and, yeah. you know, bears aren't controlled. I mean, there's there's a real reason we do what we do, and that's one of the reasons it also keeps people safe. So walk me through your hunt. I realize it was just one day, but you, you follow. Well, actually, we were driving out there together. You were, uh, Ron was leading us. I was in the first truck. You were in your truck. For, for one, it's kind of a dusty ride, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a dusty ride, that's for sure. And, you know, we just kept going and going, which which I love because I love to get as far, you know, far away as we possibly can. So it was a long drive, very dusty. It was really cool coming in, you know, Ron first, you and me following, and then all of a sudden we were coming up a hill and there was a conservation officer that lit us up right on top of the hill. She, a female turned her lights on and I know you guys all got to talk to her. I waved at her. I thought that was pretty cool. Cause I mean, we were, we were what 45 minutes plus. Oh yeah. I think we bush. were, good, I think we were a good 30 miles out of town. At least that's what it felt like. Yeah. Yeah. So that was super cool. And then, you know, once I got in stand, it was, that was that Sunday of our first hunt and it was hot that day. So, about 4.30 in the afternoon, it was 80-some degrees, and as uh, soon as we got out to the ladder stand, I mean, I felt like I was getting to get lifted away by those big two-inch mosquitoes. <sighs> um, so once I got on stand, I ran my one thermocell, and then I was sitting there for about 20 minutes and realized I had my backup thermocell. So I was running two thermocells, and I, as the, sw- the wind was kind of doing a little bit of you know switching around down in there so i kept moving them so they kind of that smoke would just stay on my body i mean the mosquitoes were so bad yeah it's uh it's no exaggeration the mosquitoes up there get absolutely terrible yeah and i mean i literally i've never had them so bad and i've been fortunate (laughs) to hunt a lot of areas where they get pretty bad and the guys were saying you know this was really more of the worst they've seen them in a long time so it was it was interesting, but we just kept going. So uh, that night, it was it was awesome. Um, it was real quiet the first three hours. I, I, I'll admit I was extremely tired because we had left West Branch area at 1 in the morning pulling uh. the camper to get up there. Mm-hmm. But super excited to see what, you know, possibly towards dark would bring. And right around, it was like 9.35, um, you know, I heard movement, and then that my black bear came in. And as soon as I saw him, I, I knew he was a beautiful bear. Size-wise, I was like, well, it's first night, um, beautiful bear, but I think, I think I'm think i going to pass. So I actually spent about 10 to f- 10 minutes um, just kind of sizing up the bear, taking some pictures, doing some video. And then I finally realized after thinking about it a little bit, Mike, you know, we had our trip had gotten cut short because of the fires. We didn't get up there right away. And I thought, man... I am uh, going to make a mistake here. So it was absolutely perfect. I had about 15 minutes of the bear under my belt. Um, everything was just perfect. He came out of the barrel, gave me a broadside shot, and uh, it was, like I said, it was around 20 yards. 
and again, archery hunting, and I can't stress this enough, Mike, and especially when you're calm and collected, I literally remember picking out that hair on that bear. Now, bears, you know, everything's back a little bit, so middle of mass. And I picked out the hair on that bear, and I think I hit that hair. I mean, it was just the most perfect shot. And within five seconds, I heard the death moan. It was just fantastic. <sighs> that is one of the most eerie yet beautiful and rewarding sounds I've ever heard because you know you, you know you've taken the animal's life but you know you've taken the animal's life that you're not out tracking him he's not suffering it's a dead bear that 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 bear moan is just crazy yeah it, it really is you know I mean obviously us being bear hunters that's what we want to hear and we want to hear it as soon as we possibly can and like I said I mean that shot was so perfect within five seconds I heard it and it is. It's a little eerie, but you know, then good, humane kill, mm -hmm. no pain. And now it's your time to, you know, harvest animal and enjoy the benefits of that. Just curious, were you using a fixed blade or a mechanical? I was using a, a G5 fixed blade uh, Mega Meat, 125 grain. Crossbow or compound? Compound boil, uh, 72 pounds uh, Hoyt Dartry. Charlie, you're a stud. 72 pounds? 72 pounds. Yeah. Why? Why so heavy? I just that's I, that's kind of like my elk mode, and I just keep it there. I, I like the speed. Um, I shoot my bow enough, you know. Even if it's some days there's two arrows, to some days twenty. Uh, I shoot a three D course, you know. I'll be shooting seventy five, hundred, and uh, you know I train real hard to be able to bow hunt. It's my biggest passion in life, so I want to make sure when I have the opportunity, um, mentally and equipment wise, I'm ready. Well, at 70-plus pounds and 20 yards, it didn't take long for that shaft to go through that animal. No, no, it was incredible. And I think I sent you pictures, Mike. Did you get the pictures where I actually, the arrow, that G5 stuck into the tip of the barrel? Yes, yes. <laughs> it was incredible. If I remember right, it hit, the, it hit the, the rim. The rim, and it actually, you know, that shows you how strong them G5s are, and it penetrated and stuck. When, when we recovered the bear that night, I had to put my foot on the barrel and wiggle the arrow pretty, you know, in a strong way to get it out. It was awesome. Wow. So you didn't really need a blood trail because you heard the animal die, but did you get a good blood trail? I did. I did, yeah. Yeah, I had a, had a real good blood trail, and I think we figured it was probably about 30 yards is how far he ran. Hmm. One thing I found on bears is if you go to put a good shot on a bear, they die fast. Yes. I agree 100%. And talking to people that bear hunt a lot, and even Ron, Ron St. Louis, um, he backed me up on this. He said that archery hunting is more successful um, on a kill shot than a rifle uh, the, with a bow and arrow or a crossbow. I, I, I believe that to be true. I mean, I've taken quite a few bears, and I know whenever I put a good hit on them, They've died fast. Now, unfortunately, and I, I, I hate to admit this, but I did gut shoot a bear one time. I mean, listen, as hunters, it's not something we intend to do, but if we're out there long enough, we're going to make a bad shot. That was a miserable tracking job. Imagine this, Charlie. You know how thick that bush is up there now. Yeah. I hit him back, and I knew I hit him back, and there was no sense tracking him that night. What a miserable night that was, knowing that bear is out there in the bush suffering. So a bunch of us went out the next morning, and they were some pretty good trackers. 
We did get on blood. We were on hands and knees, speck here, speck there. And then we found a bed full of blood. Okay, we keep tracking. And then we find another bed full of blood. And then a third. And the beds are getting closer and closer together. We're on our hands and knees. And I'm thinking, you know, this bear has got to be getting pretty close. Honestly, I'm on my hands and knees. I look up and there he is about seven yards in front of me in the bush looking right at me. He was alive still? He was alive still. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that was a hunt I will always remember. Wow. Especially, you know, in Canada, we can't have a handgun or anything with us. So that's even more intense. It was a it was it was a fun hunt. This is the Primal Outdoors podcast. If you would like to learn more about the company, their products and what they offer, go to the website primaloutdoors.com. That's primaloutdoors.com talking with Charlie Wilsey about a bear hunt that we just had in northern Ontario with Ron St. Louis of Northern Wilderness Bear Outfitters. Ron's website is northernwildernessbearoutfitters.com. And if you want to learn more about Charlie, go to his Facebook page. It's Charles Wiltsey on Facebook. We will take a quick break and be right back. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Have you heard of Primal Outdoors? You might know them as Primal Tree Stands, but the company is much more. Yes, Primal has hang-ons, climbers, tripods, and ladder stands featuring their famous jaw and truss locking system, but they also have ground blinds like my favorite, the Wraith 270 see-through blind. I've used that for deer, turkeys, and bear hunting. You can see out, but the critters can't see in. Or check out the breeze for warm weather conditions. And if you need lots of room, the new High Roller XL for multiple hunters or even a quad. Primal is now in the trail camera business too, but not just any cameras. Primal cameras are controlled remotely by your cell phone. That makes the Primal Blind Spot 360 perfect for watching your back while in the blind or a runway just out of sight from your stand. To learn more, go to the website primaloutdoors.com. That's primaloutdoors.com. Welcome back to the Primal Podcast. My name is Mike Avery. This time around talking with a friend of mine that I have finally got to meet and Charlie certainly call you a friend. It was so nice to spend time with you there in Ontario. Yeah, it sure was, Mike. You know, we've been fortunate to have some real good talks and then to be able to finally meet and spend some time together. It was a great, was a great experience. You know, one thing we forgot to talk about until you brought it up here a minute ago before the break is we almost didn't go on this hunt. Right. Yeah, we uh, we both got the phone call on the Thursday before the weekend we were supposed to leave about the fires up there, and our hunt looked like it wasn't happening. And uh, I know we were we were pretty bummed. And then two days later, Ron called us on Saturday and said, hey, can you be here Sunday? Uh, we can get you in the stand on Sunday night, and we both luckily were able to do that. 
Yeah, it was, uh, and I didn't know what to expect. I mean, you hear these stories about fires on the edge of town, and they're bringing these water tankers in, and they got sprinklers set up around town. I'm thinking, what are we driving into? Uh, and then, and then driving up there, you get across the straits and the Sioux, and the and the smoke was so thick. But fortunately, by the time we got there, things were a lot better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The time we got there, you know, there was. When the wind was just right, you know, we got a little hint of it, but we were pretty fortunate the wind was going direction pretty much away from our section, and uh, it didn't really cause any problems at all for us. Yeah, it was uh, nice. Now, I had to work a little harder for my bear than you did, Charlie. I, uh, I ended up hunting four nights, and it took me until the last night to finally shoot a bear. Yeah, you uh, you had to put in a few more nights. Uh, like I said, I... I never had the opportunity really to tag out on the first night. I I passed up some some animals on the first night, but hardly ever do I tag out. So it really was a a great experience to be able to tag out on the first night, especially knowing I only had really two more nights on stand. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, thinking about, you know, first night do I shoot and that's one of the there are several things I love about bear hunting. Number one is the challenge of field judging a bear, which is very tough. The second one, if you're hunting over bait, is the mental game of do I move or do I stay? You can second guess yourself uh, all you know, back and forth and deciding what to do. And that's pretty fun too. Oh absolutely. Well, you know, then bears Supposedly, a lot of times they're on a two-day cycle, um, and of course, it can vary by, you know, conditions, weather, all sorts of things can happen, you know, pressure that you're not aware of that comes in, but I think the main thing is, is, you know, what I've seen on the the fair amount of bear hunting I've done is people get so antsy, and it's, you got to stay course, you got to give that that bait some time and realize you might have a night or two where you might not see a bear, but then come the third night, it could be a whole different story, but you just got to have some patience and you got to stay course. Ron says you've always got to give a bait at least three nights. Let Mother Nature run its course, let the bear settle in, get used to your scent, because they know you're there. They know something's different. Give it at least three nights. Yeah, that I think that's a, a great way to, to go by it, for sure. Now, uh, Charlie, I was hunting out of a ground blind. This is something I started doing years ago. I, I love the close-up, intimate experience of bear hunting over bait in a ground blind. I had my Wraith 270 see-through blind, one of my favorite blinds to hunt out of. I was set up about 18 yards from the bait, and I, I, I love that perspective. I love the eye-to-eye perspective. Oh, that. Yeah, that's got to be intense. I'm, I had all intentions of, of possibly doing some ground blind hunting. I had um, the Ray 270, the Vision 270, and I was excited about, you know, hunting out of that. I just, first night how it all came together out of the ladder stand. Um, but I could imagine that's got to be pretty intense to be right there, basically eye to eye with I bears. I, I've had bears walk up and, and you know, they, they know you're in there and they're like... <laughs> Right at the edge of the blind. And this is just fabric, right? It's just me and the bear about six inches from me. <laughs> come wow. up and, and brush against the blind. Come up and I'm not going to say they've stuck their head in the blind, but they come up to the front of the blind. They look in. They're trying to see. And more than once, I've had bears tell me, Avery, we don't like the fact that you're here. And when I come in the next day, they've pushed my blind down. They've chewed on my blind. They've clawed up my blind just to let me know that they don't want me there. <laughs> exactly. I know. I think on our trip there, we had a guy's blind get all tore up. You know, um, I definitely think to ground blind for bear, 
you got to be a pretty tough cookie. It's uh, it's not for everybody, but uh, it sounds like it'd be a great experience, and I'm looking forward to doing it. Well, and another thing it's great for is, you know, you talked about mosquito control. And, man, I'm not associated with Thermosel at all, but I wish I was. Because you get in that blind, whether it's a vision or a wraith, you get in there, and they swarm you. I mean, you know how it is. They attack you, fire up that Thermosel, and within a few minutes, it's pushing every black fly and every mosquito out. But even better... As the night goes on and this, the thermocell continues to burn and the smoke comes out of that thing, you'll see mosquitoes fly up to the window of the blind. They smell that thermocell and they turn around and leave. Right. No, that's that's a great great um, example, Mike, because, you know, like I was saying, being up in a tree stand, I actually was running the two thermocells, and you got it as the wind's, you know, doing its change and what have you, um, I had to keep moving around because... I basically just smoke comes by me and up and it's gone. So yeah, that's a real plus out of a ground blind. And I've never had the smoke from a thermocell bother a bear that I know of. In fact, on a hunt in Quebec one time, my buddies were in a blind. They had two thermocells going and I don't know what they were thinking, Charlie, but the wind was blowing from them to the bait. You could see the blue smoke on video blowing to the bait and on camera, a bear walks in from the right, he smells that thermocell smoke, and he keeps going. So apparently they're not bothered by it. You know, and, and to tell you the truth, I think whitetails really aren't that bothered because I do a lot of early season hunting. So, you know, down in Kentucky, early September, you know, the uh, gnats and mosquitoes, I mean, just horrific. I mean, you have to run a thermocell or, or you wouldn't be able to stay on stand. And, of course, you know, we, we try to hunt the wind as best as we possibly can. But, I mean, we're always running the thermocells, and sometimes that wind will be a little marginal. And I've never seen a booger anything up on my end. Yeah. Uh, that's that's good to know. They are certainly great pieces of equipment. Yes, they All are. Right, so let me tell you a little bit. Okay, so I told you it took me four nights to get my bear. I had said, both to Ron and on my radio show as well, I told folks, I said, look, I'm not going to be real picky. I have a limited number of time to hunt. In fact, I had what I thought was three days. It turned into four. And I did not want to come home without a bear. On this particular trip, I wanted to come home with bear meat because we were out of brats, and I love bear brats on the grill. So I told everybody going in, I said, I'm not going to be real picky. Now, if a 300-pounder walked in front of me, was I going to shoot it? Of course. But I knew, well, my joke was I'm going to shoot anything that doesn't have milk on its mouth. That was a little bit of an exaggeration. Right. But... I, I've, I've seen enough bears and been around enough bears and killed enough bears now where I have, I'd like to think, a fair sense of judging the size of them. Because as you know, Charlie, there's no critter out there that suffers from ground shrinkage more than a black bear. You think it's a 300-pound animal, you walk up on it, it's 100 and a half. Absolutely. But when my bear came in that day, night, I knew right away that he wasn't a book bear. I knew he was a decent bear. But like I said... I, I knew this was my last chance. It was my only chance, and I wanted brats, and he was a respectable animal. I took him, made a good shot. He ran five yards, and I heard the death moan, and I thought, you know what, Avery? This has been a wonderful hunt. Absolutely. You know, and just the fact of being up there, anybody that could get a chance to hunt with these guys, um, it's it's truly something special. I'm not just saying that for people to, you know, call up there and book them. I truly 100% mean that these guys are the real deal and you know you you had a goal in mind you you hunted hard you know and you got it done that's just that's what it's all about what are you doing with your bear meat charlie 
Okay, so I actually had a number of people uh, when they found out I was going bear hunting. They're like, man, I, I love bear meat. If you got any any extra, you know, let me know. So I was very fortunate to be able to share some. Um, the, um, of course, the you know the real the real good stuff, the back straps. Uh, th- those are gone already. Yeah, you didn't give those away. I hope. <laughs> the, the, those hit the frying pan with some butter and garlic real quick. Um, and then I'm also going to do the same thing, Mike. Some beer, some uh, bear brats. So I'm I'm excited to try those. Yeah, I, I as much as I love bear hunting, I I don't like bear roasts. I don't like bear steaks, but we love bear burger because you can put burger into anything. And then those bear brats on the grill. There is nothing better on the grill than a bear brat. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So, Charlie, what's next? I mean, th- this was a great adventure, but it's uh, July now. You're starting to look forward to the fall season. What's on your calendar? Yeah, um, really looking forward to a, another big fall. I'm really fortunate to be able to do some traveling and hunting. So, uh, locally, starting to I'll start running some cameras here um, probably in three weeks or so uh, between up northwest branch area and Lansing for whitetails. Uh, and then I am right now fairly close of doing a August, which it's going to be extremely hot, but I'll be prepared for it. Access and awe dad hunt exotic texas low fence <laughs> so um and we'd be hunting out of the race and the visions um so that's not 100 percent, but it's looking pretty good for mid-august so i'm really looking forward if that can come together and then i've got uh kentucky early season whitetail i've really fallen in love with that hunt um we've got a little thing that we got down there we call it esc early season challenges uh the heat um all the mosquitoes and that's everything so that adds a huge challenge but i'll tell you what when you see a mature white tail mike and them and them soybeans and he's at full velvet oh oh my goodness it's incredible i shot a really nice mainframe mature full velvet eight point in 2021 and it's just got me rehooked on that early season hunting and i'm waiting should hear any day on idaho tag for, for elk, archery elk September. If I don't get that tag, could possibly fall back on an over-the-counter tag in Colorado where I've been fortunate to harvest some elk the last few years. And then I'll be right into October for whitetail hunting in Michigan and a number of other states. Man, sounds like you're going to have a great fall. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. We've started training pretty hard the last few weeks for hopefully if Out West comes together. Um, you know, got to make sure you're in good enough shape that if you're going to go out there and commit to a hunt like that, you're going to be able to give it your all. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would expect nothing less from you, Charlie Wilsey, than giving it your all. And it was great to spend some time with you there in White River, Ontario, Canada. And I will look forward to uh, sharing a camp with you sometime in the future. Absolutely, Mike. I'm looking forward to hunting together again and always a pleasure talking with you. The pleasure is mine on this edition of the Primal Podcast. Again, if you want to learn more about Primal Outdoors, the products and what they have to offer, go to the website, primaloutdoors.com. That's primaloutdoors.com. If you want to learn more about Charlie, go to his Facebook page, Charles Wiltsey on Facebook. My name is Mike Avery, and I will talk with you next time right here on the Primal Podcast.